Travel Support Thursday. We're back. It's Number Thursday. Seventeen. <laughs> Welcome back to Travel Thursday. <gasps> Travel Thursday. I still hate this jingle. Josh is wearing a button-up <laughs> shirt. Well, look at how just... <laughs> Yeah, it is Christmas time around here, and I'm looking full-on Wisconsin today, for sure. I will say, thank you so much to everybody who loves the jingle as cringy and awkward as it is, because, yeah, that's why I love it, too. I mean, I I know, I know it's not good. No one's one's claiming that it's Grammy-worthy. It's just, it's just, it's just Lisa and Josh. I don't know. We've been playing around with the idea of just, like, maybe I'll go home and keyboard it and mm. see it. maybe if it's just a humming sound <laughs> i've paid some guys on fiverr to make some options of it and no matter how hard they try <laughs> it still sounds so stupid <laughs> i think it's just just the concept of it it's not their fault either it's just the concept of it is just okay all right anyway here we anyway, go. today I think we've got a lot of we've got a lot of really interesting stuff to talk mm-hmm. about today. We've also got some deep stuff that honestly we're terrified a little bit to talk about, but I think that makes Just it a good subject. Stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, why don't go. you give them the rundown? So uh, today we're going to talk about travel across Europe, how we get local, and I guess not local but country news, like when you're traveling and how that impacts our travels. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about our plans for future trips, if any of them include other continents. We're also going to talk about the idea of country counting and if there are any destinations that are on the top of our bucket list. Yeah, like competitive travel, the absurdity (laughs) of it. Sure. And finally, we're going to be talking about the, I don't don't even know how to talk about this. We're going to talk about sustainability as it relates to travel because- Yeah, we know travel has a huge impact on our environment and our carbon footprint. We'll talk about, yeah, what it means to us and what we think about it because it is a really important concept. Okay, let's get into it. So our first question comes from Michael, who says, we're in Europe right now with a train strike for the next couple of days. It was, surprise. it was a surprise, but with no local news available, it started making me think, how in the world... Do you get local and country news as you travel, or do you just play it by ear? Man, that's become an almost annual thing <laughs> by now. I mean, I remember last year when yes, we were there. In Germany. I think there were two different train yeah. strikes happening while we were there. One in France and then one happening in Germany at the same time, like overlapping. I feel like every time we go to Europe, there's a <laughs> there's a train strike. Right. But in that, that's good, you know, in some ways, mm-hmm. because hopefully the workers are getting, you know, what they deserve. But also, like, they have trains, so that's also an awesome thing and yeah. we're not used to trains in the u.s that seems cool <laughs> i am all for paying train operators and the people who upkeep all of that awesome stuff as much as they deserve probably even more than that because i i don't know i can't imagine europe without them i can't imagine traveling without going on trains yeah. frequently yeah so i think in short we don't <laughs> we we just we don't this is an intentional thing that we do i mean it's not that we avoid it it's just that it doesn't I don't know. We don't like you said. It's always a little bit challenging to get news about a a strike when mm. you're a tourist or you're visiting, yeah. unless like someone like your hotel or you happen to be at the the train station getting your tickets and they alert you. I think. Yeah. I actually think the only reason we knew about the train strikes last year because we were riding the trains every day. <laughs> well, and our friends who are German when mm. we were traveling in Germany on the nine euro ticket. They told us about it. <laughs> right. That's true. They're like, oh, aren't you worried about the train strikes? We're like, the what? 
I think the way that we got alerted was actually through like our friends and also using some of the train apps, actually. Yeah. We started noticing that like all the local trains, for example, were super jam packed and all the local trains were like mega delayed. And then we're like, huh, what's going on? And then we looked up the news. Yeah. I mean, usually if it's important enough or it affects a lot of people in some way, we'll find out from the hotel we're staying at or yeah. otherwise. But the short of it is, is that we we don't. No. We just, we just, we don't. And some of that is that we just, we want to like maintain at least a small amount of either ignorance or innocence about <laughs> the news that's happening in there because we just don't want to get caught up in yeah. it. We just want to like take the place for what it actually is and the thing that we're actually experiencing like in that moment mm -hmm. instead of trying to like getting caught up in the problems of a country as a whole that will probably like color our experience in some negative way in general i would say that we don't proactively reach out and read the news when we're traveling in a local place mm -hmm. but when we're out walking about when we're at the train station we notice something peculiar we notice something that catches our attention that will prompt us to look something up later. Sure. And sometimes that can give us insight. Like when we were in Seoul, for example, we would we left the palace one day and we saw tons of protesters and we just had no idea what the protests were about. Mm -hmm. And that to me was like an interesting thing. And I just wanted to know what the protests were about. So I looked it up. I don't remember what it was about. I think it was <laughs> about the president. We We generally like to play it by ear because... We want to just see what happens as we travel. I know there's a lot of planning that goes into these trips, but sometimes we find that the more that we read, the the more it takes us away from the actual yeah. place that we're in. Yeah, like, have you ever been to a subreddit for a country or a city? <laughs> like, just go and look at any subreddit for any city on planet Earth, and all that you'll find is just, like, endless negativity and complaining. And I think it's really easy... To get caught up in that and you enter this like state of fear before you even arrive at a place and i think we intentionally try to avoid that in some ways because i, I just don't want it to like change our perspective of a place before we get there i just want to take it as it comes if you are the kind of person that wants to know everything and wants to know information i actually find that not looking at the like local news to be very helpful i actually find reddit and youtube to be the most helpful or social media, those that are like live on the ground reporting actual anecdotal stories about what's happening is actually really helpful. Yeah. Okay. What do we got next? What's the next question? So our next question comes from Rachel Lenahan. Hey, Rachel. Yep. Um, who asks, do you guys count your countries visited? If so, what are your numbers? Would you ever consider setting the goal of going to every country in the world or does traveling to check boxes make you cringe? Also, what country is at the top of your bucket list? So as an elder millennial, could you just define the <laughs> word cringe for me? Because from like the way I understand it, it just means anything that makes you feel like slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> so, you know, like it just it, it seems like this one dimensional thing, like things are either cringe or not cringe and everything that's cringe should just be thrown away and burned and everything that. <laughs> Isn't cringe is like acceptable, but things that aren't cringe are like two percent of is, humanity. Are cringeworthy <laughs> things things that get you canceled? Yeah, I don't know because there's there's nothing really in this world that makes me go. Ugh. <laughs> really? Ugh, oh, uh, there has to be. No, no. What I, about what about too much time on the beach? I mean, no, but that just make that makes me uncomfortable. But it doesn't make me go. Ugh, so maybe like, that's the definition of cringe. Yeah, it, or is it more about like things 
that you think other people will think badly about you if you do? I think it's more that cringe I think of as when... No, let's just look it up. Let's just look it up. Well, I feel like that's going to be less helpful than cringed. <laughs> I mean, I, Well, and we have to look up the like, like, I understand the dictionary. idea of cringing. So the actual definition of cringe is bend one's head and body in a fear of apprehension or in a servile <laughs> manner which is what you were just doing. We're looking at Merriam-Webster for this. There's nothing more millennial. Oh, than this that. one. Have an inward feeling of acute embarrassment or uh, awkwardness. I feel like that's what it is. I just don't ever really, I mean, not never, but very infrequently do I get embarrassed. So I'm probably being cringe so like if... most of the time, but I just don't care. So therefore I'm not cringe. I don't, I don't know. It's such a, it seems like such a catch-all, you know, it's like something being cool or not cool. Like there's some judge group out there that decides if things are cringe or not cringe. And then that decides if you're allowed to be on the internet or not. I think the difference between cringe and like, how do we get caught on this? Being embarrassed is like cringe seems like the term that someone has for somebody else. Mm, or right? like, like that's cringe. I'm embarrassed like, it's just, for you. Right. Which is like kind of sad. Yeah, but why? I know. But why would you? Why would you care so much? Like, if somebody else is doing something that's cringy, just let them do it. Like, it just that doesn't affect me at all if they're doing something weird. Like, it just I, I look at it, I go, well, that was kind of weird, and then you just move on with your life. I don't go and make a whole thing i just i <laughs> i i don't understand this well and there's also probably certain levels of i've cringe. never felt like, more old when, when does it <laughs> what's the different levels of cringe like mm. there has to be like slightly cringe and then omega cringe omega cringe or is it anyway right back to the original okay, question back to sorry the question. for detracting God, please enlighten Rachel. us on this because it just it feels like such a catch-all Okay. Nebulous term that if, if somebody out there, if maybe just me asking for a definition of this is cringe, but to be honest, I just want to, I just want to know. I just want to be enlightened. I would <laughs> say that our jingle makes you cringe. Yeah, but is it good cringe? Because I'm hearing from people out there that they like it. So it might be like positive cringe. Is that possible? I don't know. This is too philosophical. I have never felt more old in my life than I do right now trying to understand this. Let's get back to the original question. So Rachel asks, do you guys count your countries visited? And if so, what are your numbers? So I would say. I mean, it's like 70 something. I know off of like the top of my head because I think this number used to be really important to my ego. And Mm. I think that as time has gone on that it's I've cared less and less about it over time. Got it. I, I would say I don't know the number. I know it's probably not more than 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do keep a list of all the places that we've gone just so that for memory's sake. In general, I don't. And I think to your question, would you, you know, does traveling to check boxes make you cringe? <laughs> Okay, so do I? <laughs> We're not. No, okay, okay. Never mind. I'm Out, not gonna use that word anymore. Outside of the word cringe, like, do I think that other people being proud of how many countries they've gone to or how many cool things they've seen, do I think that that's somehow like bad. weird or bad for them? No, I think that that's not necessarily. I don't know. Yeah. Like, be into whatever you're into. Some um, might say that making youtube videos and documenting our <laughs> travels is cringe worthy yes but lots of people seem to think that <laughs> i i guess maybe you right now <laughs> i just well no only if we sing the jingle travel I think, thirst 
I guess to get back to your original questions, no, we don't really count our numbers, but I don't, I don't really feel like to me, I know there are a lot of people that have that goal of like reaching a certain number of countries by a certain age or yeah, there's like that Guinness world record of how many countries you visited by a certain age. That to me has never really been a goal of mine, but I think it's cool that other people do. Yeah, I think. I think I can tell you for sure something that I do think is cringe is that people like thinking that because they've been to more countries mm. than other people, like I've been to, I've been to 70 and you've only been to 30, yeah. like thinking that for some reason that makes me like better or more experienced or more anything mm. is so vehemently incorrect in like every possible term. And I think this like that competitive travel instinct yeah. that I think, I don't know. It seems to exist around the internet kind of prevalently of like, I've seen more of the world than you, therefore my opinion matters more. Is That is that is super omega cringe for me to see that. I like that, that you straighten yourself up uh, yeah, and like it's stand up and look at the camera when you say I'm omega cringe. No, I'm just doing it because my back hurts around here. I, I think that that idea to me is a, and I think the reason that I cringe about it is that it used to be me hmm. is that I remember myself after that first trip around the world of feeling like I had done this like big thing, but I was proud of it for the wrong reasons. Hmm. I was proud of it because of like how much I had done and how much I had learned instead of it. Kind of the way that I think about more now is that I'm way more proud of the amount of things that I can go and learn and then go and share with a bunch of other people who may not have the opportunity to go and do it. Mm -hmm. I do understand the impetus of like counting up all these countries and checking off all these boxes and being proud of that because of like the sacrifices you had to make and the things that you had to do to be able to travel to all these cool places but i will never back anybody who thinks that that somehow makes them a better person than anyone oh, else for sure it's not about that but i think being proud of an accomplishment of a goal that you set for yourself and then you did that's really cool. <laughs> I think that's more, yeah, I think that's that's interesting because I think coming from a place of, you know, 10 years ago, I was not remotely into traveling mm. and I was not remotely interested in visiting new countries. And I remember a lot of friends would come back from their summer vacations and they would talk about their time in Spain. They would talk about their time in, in you know, Budapest and all these different places that I had never been and I could never relate. And I remember at the time feeling inferior because of those conversations. When I look back and maybe they were just trying to share an experience and like share something cool that they learned about the place, but yeah. it was not something that I could relate with at all. So in my head, I thought, oh, I think they're just better than me. And right. so it is interesting. I think this question makes us, I don't know, makes me want to think think about too how we talk about the places that we visited and I think maybe that's why we don't always talk about like how many places we've gone and where where you know the goal of trying to reach so many countries by a certain age I think because our goal really isn't to well my goal isn't really to like see every country in the world actually mm -hmm. it's more just to be able to experience new places and new people and learn new things, whether it's all of the countries or not, that'd be awesome. But I think um, 
the larger goal it feels like is to be able to like get people on board with the idea that traveling introduces you to new things that Mm -hmm. you would not have known otherwise. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what drives me as well now Mm -hmm. is less of like it used to be I'm going to be the guy that's gone to every country in the world by the time I'm 30 or 40 or 50 or however long it would have taken that like that's Mm -hmm. that's that's my ego that's my personality talking Mm -hmm. there is that like that'll be me and I'll be able to use that to say that I'm cool forever and then like you know I went to 194 countries and I did and like just that number I mean that is an accomplishment but I think now I think a lot more about depth of connection to a place than I think about width of Mm -hmm. like how many places that I went to versus like how many like really deep unique cool experiences that I had and and I think with this YouTube thing it's now a lot more about how many other people can we get in on that party to come and have these other really cool deep experiences in the same places that we've gone and that to me is everything now like when i see these comments sometimes and they've been happening more and more frequently which makes me really excited of these people saying like okay so we saw your video and bam we booked a flight to singapore because now we know we can afford it and that like makes me so happy so much happier than having gone to 100 countries by the time i was 30 or whatever whatever that goal was being able to actually be able to like share this thing that i know changed my life for the better in so many ways and to be able to get someone else who might not have been able to do it or like thought it was prohibitively expensive or thought there was only one way to make it happen and that that would never be accessible to them and to actually be able to bring them into this party that we're all having together and say like you're invited and you can do it and you can do it however you want mm-hmm. and here's how when when we accomplish that that feels so good. Yeah. That feels so good. Way better than saying I went to the Eiffel Tower 73 times. Well, it's just funny. You know, I think when we look back at a lot of our travels, YouTube and non-YouTube era, mm-hmm. um, we visit countries multiple times. You know, we go back a lot to a lot of places. And I know some people will say, go somewhere new try and be more spontaneous, be more adventurous. But I, you know... New countries, obviously, are really... Visiting new places is obviously a huge reason of ours that we want to travel. But there's something special about going back, and I think it goes back to the idea of depth versus width. For sure. Going back to a country or a place that we've been before allows us to revisit and relearn some things that we know a little bit about. That's not to say that we don't have interest in visiting newer places. We do. Um, but it's not necessarily, I think, our goal to, like, check off those places. Yeah, and l- perfect example of that here in Japan. Mm-hmm. Probably my, like, 12th time being here or mm-hmm. something like that. But a new thing that I learned about <laughs> this time was just how deep and awesome the, like, vintage oh, thrifting slash flea market scene is here. And how incredible the, yeah, like, the, the stuff we're wearing literally right now. And just how incredibly focused it seems like the people of tokyo at least and probably around the rest of japan are on this idea of like taking the old and then turning it into something really cool and really new and making sure that nothing gets wasted and yeah. making sure that things are reused what's the word for multi-nai. it multi-nai we yes learned, i mean this is yeah multi is actually a term that our uh 
our Hawaii mom taught us. Um, <laughs> it's this Japanese term that essentially translates to like no waste or reusing and bringing back to life um, something that, you know, that had a previous life or mm. not just no waste and coming here and staying in this random we're like on the outskirts of tokyo we yeah. were not visiting like the popular spots like shibuya and asakusa we're just staying on the outskirts and it's incredible to see it come to life in action here. yeah yeah and to see it every single day and it's just this idea of motainai is something that i think from both of our families yeah was just like this principle that we didn't have a word for yeah you know forever it was like this idea that i think connected us mm -hmm. together as two people that were shared values between us but we didn't have a way to like to really like codify it mm -hmm. <laughs> to, and then well we were cheap too also cheap yes <laughs> frugal. <laughs> yes cheap mega frugal but however you want to say it but it's true but it, it was that of like coming to japan and this was like this was one of the things that I know that we wanted to both go really deep on mm -hmm. and see exactly what the scene was like here. And we had so much fun doing it. We spent like a couple of days just going from flea market to other flea market to other vintage yeah. shop. And it was so much fun. And this is something that is so niche and so like wonderful for the two of us, but also like not something that we would have done on our first trip to no. Tokyo because we would have been going really wide. We would have been trying to get like a sampler platter of like everything that Tokyo yeah. has to offer. But I think this style of travel now where we have the opportunity and the time, which yeah. we're lucky to have, to be able to go really deep on these very specific things that just we love, I think that's amazing. <laughs> and that's it's something that makes me really, really happy that I would have, I don't know, I just would have never expected myself to want to get into when yeah. I first started this because I would have been so focused on just seeing everything. That being said, there are countries on our list that we definitely still want to see and visit. Mm. Um, Rachel asks, what countries at the top of your bucket list? Oh, I think That's tough. Nepal yeah. for me feels like right now because mm. there's so much cool stuff to do there. I mm, I've always wanted to go to Antarctica, not a country, a continent. Um, I've always I've wanted to go there just to see it. I don't know what I'd do there. I've know. always wanted think? to go to Peru. I know a lot of people mm. have been there. There's actually quite a bit. And we've we've heard from a lot of you, you know, there's so many places we have yet to visit in this world. And so many countries in South America, Central America that I'd love to visit and spend a lot of time there. I haven't been to Costa Rica before, Ecuador, Guatemala. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd Canada. love to go we haven't to made Belize. A, we haven't made a video in Canada besides yeah. getting on a cruise ship. That's true. A lot to cover there. So, so many beautiful places. Mm -hmm. It's hard because I don't really know that I have like a, these are the must do's. Do you have like a, I must do this before I die oh, regarding yeah. traveling? I have the world's longest bucket list mm -hmm. and it's hidden somewhere on our website. I haven't published it yet, but it's like 700 things that I've heard about from other people or I've read about in books or whatever. And I just keep adding to this list yeah. iterative over time and just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. But I don't know if, if I die without completing all of them, will I be mad? I mean like 25 year old me would have been upset. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, Oh, I blew it. But I think as, I don't know, as we're doing this more and more and traveling more and more, I think it's, I think it's about finding those really specific, really awesome things that are what get me really pumped up about traveling. Yeah. 
like a couple of days ago. Spent an entire day just trying to figure out how this very complex Japanese arcade game works. It's only available like in arcades in Japan. <laughs> and I went and bought all these like crazy specific cards for it. And then I translated all the menus and everything like that. And that was like the most fun and day. And you made a friend. Yeah. And I made a friend while I was there who taught me how to play the game and gave me some cards. So <laughs> it was just, it was such a fun day and such a specific thing that I knew that I would love. And the only way that I know that I would enjoy it is by turning off the FOMO of thinking, oh, but I need to I need to go see all this mm -hmm. thing and that thing and that thing. And meanwhile, while he was playing video games, I was visiting all the thrift stores. She got me this. And I got to say, guys, thrift shopping in Japan is really, really cool. Yeah. I just I think it's incredible. And it makes me realize that no matter what country you go to, there's something that you can connect with. Yep. Even if you don't speak the language. Okay, but I think this idea of mm -hmm. motainai, which is oh. like making sure that everything gets used and making making sure that there's no waste, kind of perfectly runs into our next yeah. question. If you can, yeah. So we got a really great uh, question and kind of just like concept to cover with um, from Serios Born three nine four, who in summary who talks a little bit about you know, the idea of travel and the impact of travel on our environment, right? We know that airplane travel specifically, for example, leaves a carbon footprint. And the more you travel, the more carbon is emitted. Mm -hmm. So specifically, they say they would love to know our thoughts on how we balance the cost of the carbon footprint caused by travel. For example, last week, we talked about so many different flights that we had taken in the last couple of months. So yeah, what's our, you know, thoughts on sustainable travel yeah, basically God. traveling sustainably i am terrified to talk about this subject I'm excited. in so many i mean because it seems like whenever this idea of like climate change or sustainability comes up it feels like there's just two extremes and it just feels like it's such a contentious topic in mm -hmm. that like it just inevitably leads to people kind of shouting at each other about stuff on the internet and that's not what i want to have happen we it's won't <laughs> shout at each other it's really it's um it feels like a really scary subject but mm -hmm. i will say that this is a thing that we think about a lot definitely. this is definitely uh a topic and especially after we read this question this is kind of all we've been talking about for the past like two or three days which yeah. i guess was the the point of the question yeah i think um we recognize and we know that yes traveling and traveling in certain methods airplane cars you know they're all bad for the environment they're mm -hmm. all you know they're i, I don't want to make sweeping generalizations but yes it contributes to um it contributes to a carbon footprint and it led us to do a lot more research because while we do generally know that travel and and a lot of things that we do in our daily lives impacts our climate in a negative way we didn't know how much. So it turns out, yeah, we were we found this pie chart and it and it turns out there are a couple of things that like are big players. So transport makes up like 16%, you know, road transport, aviation, shipping. And what I was surprised by, so aviation makes up 2% of the entire pie. Mm -hmm. Road transport makes up 12%, which yeah. I I mean, I guess Maybe just by sheer number of cars there are and motorbikes there are. In They're also roads. super inefficient. Like generally, it's like one person in one car, or one person on yeah. one motorbike driving. So it's just it's way less efficient than, you know, yeah. than most other things like rail down here is like 0.4 percent of Which the total. Which still emits, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
I, I don't know about you, but I feel like this overwhelming hopelessness mm. growing over time of like, I'm trying my best over time to not give in to this like learned hopelessness that I feel like no matter what I do, it's never going to have like an effect on this. Because when I see that, like all these things that I have zero control over yeah. are like 80 plus percent of the pie. I just look at that. I'm like, oh, God, is, yeah. does does any of it? Is there any real way to change the track that we're on? It, I don't know. It's just been feeling hopeless. And I'm, I'm trying really hard to not give in to that mm-hmm. into that hopelessness. Yeah, I do think that was one of the like biggest things that came from our conversation and in the biggest differences like I think your question is a very valid one um, especially because we do this now for our jobs Mm -hmm. right we travel for work and we travel for fun too part of that unfortunately part of that means that we are traveling frequently we wish we had unlimited time to travel at a slower pace stay in places for a longer time We wish we had unlimited budget, but also how do we do it in a better way? We know like specifically our last trip, yes, was indeed very fast. And we recognize the benefits of slow travel, not just on the environment, but on our like personally, you know, it's a good idea to take to take things slower and to be able to really like we talk about get into the depths of a place versus with them versus checking things off our list. And I think certainly one of the things that we could do better is traveling slowly or slower. Um, We do try to as much as possible to take trains or buses. We try not to rent a car like in Vietnam, you know, the the way to get around is certainly motorbike, but they have plenty of motorbikes on the road. And and I think um, it's definitely had some negative effects on their environments as well that we felt very you know uh tangibly while we were in hanoi and saigon where like air quality was like 240 and it was hard to breathe and you couldn't see the sun and it was just like Like when we were talking with this friend that we met um about you know his decision to not take planes anywhere um we were talking about you know just general things that we try to do and you know one of the things that like is really important to me, for example, that may not be important for a lot of other people is we try as much as possible to shop secondhand. And I was telling him this, but but then it feels like sometimes when you look at, you know, um, I don't even know why I use this example, but like I just saw in the news that they were talking about the Met Gala and how much they spent on um, throwing the Met Gala, but then <laughs> all of the, the costs of designing you know, all the clothes that all these celebrities were wearing and it was millions of dollars. And I, and then I thought to myself, why do I, why do I thrift? Why do I even bother? Why do I buy $2 clothes? (laughs) You know, when, and, and those uh, moments. And it's so easy to feel that way. And it takes so much energy to combat that hopelessness. It's tough. And, and mm. I think there's so many different ways that someone can travel more sustainably and more responsibly. But I feel like, the thing that we we left that conversation with our friend with was, you know, find the thing that you feel like you can do. I don't mean to make a pun, but sustainably that you can keep doing that feels right for you, that feels good for you and feels like you're helping. I don't know. As I'm such a pragmatic person and I feel like that's really unhelpful when it <laughs> comes to trying to think about this like environmental problem, because like. The logical part of my brain, when I look at this like 
global greenhouse gas emissions overall in the world. And I see that the other like 90 plus percent of it is stuff that I have absolutely no control over. So therefore I should do nothing. (laughs) And that's like the logical part of my brain thinks about that. But then the other part of my brain, that's also like kind of logical, but also just doesn't just want to like give up on this entirely starts to think maybe a little more optimistically about this problem that says like, okay, if just I do the stuff that's in my control as good as I can. And if I can just like recycle the stuff that I can recycle and if I can take care and like take trains whenever I possibly can and avoid taking unnecessary flights whenever I can or take more direct flights. Or not rent a car. Not not rent a car. Walk whenever I can. You guys know how much we love walking on this channel. We did it across the Camino twice. Like if just I can do the things that are in my control and just kind of ignore the bigger part of the noise and ignore all this other stuff that's outside of my control and just take care of the things of myself, then I won't become hopeless Mm -hmm. and I won't give up. And there's so many variables in how people travel and how people like to travel. And because of all the different variabilities and all the different ways that we think about this, there are so many different ways that we can travel more sustainable. I don't know if that answers your question. I I think something you said two days ago was i think the the like the key to unlocking it in my head of how to not look at this pessimistically but how to look at it optimistically and it was your analogy to voting (laughs) in the u.s yes where it feels like voting in the u.s it can be really easy to look at just like oh there's like you know 70 million people are voting so therefore my vote will not matter well and also if you count the electoral college which (laughs) For those of you that don't live in the U.S., maybe don't right. worry about it. But it the Electoral can, College is just like, what? It can be so easy to feel disenfranchised. But also, when you look at the results of these elections, they like come down to a difference of like a couple of thousand votes so mm-hmm. frequently that really each individual vote does count. But when you're like casting it, you're just like, whatever. Like, like none of this is going to matter. Maybe I shouldn't even vote at all. But these like greenhouse gas emissions. And I think everything like that is going to come down to each individual person just trying their best to just do as good as they can in a realistic way without getting too overwhelmed and without going too far and without becoming like too, uh, I don't know, without having too much of like a, uh, a gap being put between like what's good or bad and just having people try their best over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And that'll tilt it over to maybe us, Maybe us doing the right thing. Look at you coming back around and feeling optimistic. Maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to make it there. But it'll all come down to people not becoming hopeless and people not giving up over a long Mm -hmm. period of time and just a whole bunch of people trying their best. And maybe, 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 maybe things will turn out okay. And it can feel so easy to get hopeless. Believe me, I oscillate between that and then optimism of seeing like, Maybe we'll be able to science ourselves out of this problem and solve greenhouse gases with all these cool things we've been seeing lately, like these electric ferries that are about to, I think, in, in the United States and Sweden. We also saw some electric tuk-tuks yes. in Bangkok, which and, is really cool. And these like cool, sustainable, I think they run on cooking oil airplanes, like the first ever one mm. just one a couple of weeks ago. And I start and I see all these things and I start to become a little more optimistic over time where I'm like, maybe we'll be able to science ourselves out of this problem. Yeah. And then the other thing that I see on here is travel as maybe another way for us to reduce these total greenhouse gas emissions. Because I think 
travel kind of helps people change their mindset towards these things. See like, oh, that's where this is going. Now I understand it, that maybe just maybe travel will have a chance at helping us all kind of change our mindset on this. That, that gives me a little bit of optimism and reduces that hopelessness that I've been feeling. That being said, I want to share two pieces of good information. Oh, okay. All right. We okay. need some optimism. I so, feel like optimism. In the first one, mm -hmm. did you know that the U.S., in the U.S. now, we are going to have our first ever high-speed rail Ooh. from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, which is very big news. That's so exciting. See, and like the skeptical part of me is like, I've heard this story before. No. I'm not going to fall for it again. No, no, they but think, I really, I hope, they I think, hope we do it. <laughs> they think before the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, but. Mm -hmm. The thing that caught my eye was the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, PDB, PDB specifically said that it was the, you know, he quoted going to Hiroshima for the G7 summit. Mm. And he he said, you come home thinking, why can't we have something like that? I've thought this so many times, just he riding said, one train here and you're like, this is awesome. And this is how I want to get around forever. So that sounds we awesome. We know we've got to change that. That's what we're doing. I love seeing that. That I, makes me oof, so. I saw that and that was a shocker. Having and high so, speed rail, especially between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Vegas, like people go between those and it's like a four hour drive and nobody should have to make that drive because it's awful and boring and it'd be a perfect place for a train. It's just like desert in the middle there. Second piece of good news. Mm -hmm. There is a 2024 calendar that is free featuring adorable TSA dogs. Oh, yeah. And you can get a copy in the link in the description below. Thank no matter you, how you feel about the TSA, you got to be able to get behind I the mean, super cute good doggos. Hello, are... doing their great little jobs. Your faces. Oh, <laughs> there they are. So you can download that and it's completely free. Thanks, TSA. Yep. So when you get too overwhelmed or sad about the state of the world, just go look at cute pictures of dogs. I'm pretty sure everyone does that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a universal experience. I, you know, I want to say thank you very much for this question because it did. It started a lot of conversations between us mm -hmm. and we went back and forth on it in a lot of different ways. And hopefully it'll start more conversations out there of the people who are watching this. Tell us what you do, what you what your favorite way of being sustainable while traveling looks like. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, leave us some questions in the comments below and let us know your thoughts. Yep. All right. Bye. See you then. Thanks so much for the question. Bye.